Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith and Eric Devin. It's turning autumnal now, really, as we head into October, and the leaves are going orange, the pumpkins are already out, but who is ready to uh, take on their new found uh, colouring scheme, at least anyway, <laughs> as we get into this one, and who's drowning in the depths of the cold weather. Uh, all of that and more after the latest headlines. Toulouse and Nice got us kicked off on Friday evening, but the two sides who have had contrasting starts to the season have ended with a one-all draw. Basim Shrafi started descoring for Nice, but Mathieu de Seve's equaliser in the second half helped Leviole stay in the top half, with Mario Balotelli surprisingly absent from the OGC Nice side. On Saturday, Lille maintained their excellent start to the season and remain in second as they won, ran out 3-1 winners against Saint-Étienne. Jonathan Bamba scored twice against his former side with Nicola Pepe sealing the points in the last few minutes as a Rima Cabea penalty was sliced in between those two goals from Bamba. In the multiplex, Angers and Strasbourg played out an entertaining 2-2 draw with Leo Motiba grabbing two goals for himself before Roman Thomas scored in the last minute. Um, elsewhere, Amiens continued their decent start to the season with a 1-0 win against Dijon, who have now not won in six, thanks to Samad Gorosh. Uh, Gangomp and Montpellier both shared goals and also red cards as 1-1 one, one draw and one red card each. Uh, Marcus Turam and Florent Molle both seeing red, Andy Delors and Nicolas Benezet both grabbing the goals. And the final game on Saturday saw Nîmes and Reims continue their poor recent run of goal scoring form, at least as they were both uh, goal scoreless and ending in a goalless draw. On Sunday, uh, Bordeaux continued their decent run this season and poured more misery on Le Canary as Nantes fell to a 3-0 defeat. Uh, Francois Camerot grabbed a double uh, with uh, Jan Caramo grabbing the first goal with the start of the Vahid Halil Hodzic reign um, not going so well as predicted. Elsewhere, Marseille continue, well, recovered from some mishaps in midweek as they beat Comte to nil thanks to Contas, uh, Costas Mitroglu and Florian Tovan, while Monaco continue their miserable recent run as they were defeated 2-1 at home against Wren. Damien De Silva and Hatem Ben Arfa scored for the away sides with Radamar Fakao getting the consolation for the Monegasque, while Andrea Raggi was uh, sent off just before half-time. In the final game of the weekend, Paris Saint-Germain ran out eventual comfortable Lyon winners against Lyon. Uh, Neymar put the hosts in front, but Presno Kimpembe saw red on half an hour, giving a glimpse of hope for the away side that was quickly dashed as Lucas Toussaint also saw red and possibly had a controversial penalty decision waved away. But then Kylian Mbappe blew them away in the second half with four goals for the young Frenchman. That sees Paris Saint-Germain extend their lead at the top and also record the best ever start to a top flight French campaign with nine straight victories. That's all for now, but do keep up to date with all in the news in the world of French football. Head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that game this evening between the two heavyweights in Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon. It was an interesting affair, maybe a little uh, more rugged than the affairs we saw earlier well, a couple of well, last season and, and even a couple of seasons ago, really. Jez, it, it was an, an interesting one, but at the same time, really disappointing for, for Leon, despite going down to, to 10 men, as well as Paris Saint-Germain, that A, they didn't take advantage when they had the extra man, but also B, allowed themselves to be really blitzed in the second half. Yeah, it was, it was a bizarre match. And talk about game of two halves. I mean, this is arguably sort of a, a game of three thirds. Um, and for for certainly the first third, probably the, the second as well, Lyon, I thought, really matched PSG. Um, 
you know, they, they fell behind to a really stupid penalty, correct decision, but a stupid penalty. Lopez last year got a lot of stick for, for rushing out and, and clattering Mbappe and causing him to, to have a concussion or whatever. And he actually gave a, a really, Lopez gave a really good interview a couple of weeks ago to Lecky talking about how much that and a couple of other incidents last year that the, the Marseille clash affected him and how he feels he's, he's really growing and, you know, it really affected his family and he's become more responsible. And I think so far this season he had been, but it was another real rush of blood to the head, which gave PSG an early lead. And even that was after they'd already suffered the early onset of the blow. Their care going off injured. But I thought Lyon reacted really well. Um, I think that they were denied a very clear penalty that um, Di Maria put his hands up to, to, to meet a cross, and I think that should have been given. It didn't even go to VAR for some reason. Um, and then the, the, the second third, kind of descended basically into thuggery with, to be fair, PSG kind of taking the lead in most of it. Um, Kimpembe was, was probably widely sent off for uh, for um, sort of a lunge at, at Mbembele. I think Neymar was very lucky only to get a booking for, for a really petulant break down Morel's shin. Um, Berati was, was got his customary booking, but that also was, I'd say, an orange at, at worst. Um, so probably at, you know, heading into half time, Lyon were arguably the better team. And then I think, although it sort of didn't bear fruit until later in the second half, I think arguably that the big turning point was um, Toussaint getting sent off for a second book of the defence just at the end of the first half. And he was distraught when he went off. He's had a really tough couple of weeks. He was dropped and missed the, the City match. And then was sent off in his in his return match against Dijon, um, and I think he was in tears as he went off tonight. But that was it was real stupidity from him. However young he is, he, you know, he should know better than that. And really, Lyon were in the ascendancy. They had a one man advantage, and they were the odd. Um, and although they were a goal down, I think they were well set up to really attack the second half. And I think that although it was just before the, the, the half time, I think it really sort of stopped them in the tracks. And then the second half, again, it was sort of the first half, if you want, of the second half was, was relatively exciting. Corne missed the sitter. Both teams hit the post. And then PSG just ran riot. And Mbappe, who frankly had not had a very good game up till then, had missed a few good chances, scores four goals in 13 minutes. And they were helped a bit by Lyon playing such a high line. But it was just, I thought Mbappe performance was sort of a good indication of PSG in a microcosm. I mean, PSG's performance in this match was kind of how the whole of league and looks in a microcosm. You know, they, they, can, they can play poorly, they can have their moments, but they're just so superior in, you know, in resources, in, in manpower, in everything, but they're always going to finish on top, however much the other team... Um, valiantly fights and you know maybe cheeky and say it and they get a little bit of refereeing help when it's needed um so all in all i, I still maintain that league is one of the most competitive leagues but you have to completely ignore the, the champions before before looking at the rest of it and you know really it's a competitive 19 team league and it is getting a little bit embarrassing the way psg are running away with it this year mm-hmm. That's the thing, really. And Eric, a lot of people will point to that nine wins in a row now for Paris Saint-Germain, the best start for any team in the top flight of French football. It's a terrific monument for them, at least. But much like Jess said, I do want to pull on the man who most certainly be the one who will be talked about the most after this game, and that is Kylian Mbappe, because he, he did have an interesting evening. But at the same time, there's a reason why he's seen as, as the next in line really, because he's a 19-year-old footballer that, despite maybe not having the, the best of first half, can have a second half where he grabs four goals in 13 minutes, which against any team is no mean feat, but against a team that the quality of Leon, despite both teams being out to, to 10 men, it, it is an impressive statement of just how good a footballer he is. Yeah, it's interesting. I know that um, the sending of Kimpembe seemed to, sending of Kimpembe seemed to put 
PSG back on their heels a little bit. It seemed to really stretch that midfield. Uh, you know, Verratti I doesn't think I don't think really was comfortable as part of a two uh, against a, a midfield of the likes of Ndombele and and Tussar while he was on on the pitch. And PSG really did seem to be to be rocked a, a bit there. And Mbappe didn't look very good, but I think that uh, the removal of Cavani, you know, which allowed Mbappe and Neymar to operate in a free role, I think may have been a better thing. I think that the understanding between those two and level of respect to those two, you know, maybe it's winning the World Cup for Mbappe that puts him in a new light in Neymar's eyes and makes him recognize, okay, you know, this player deserves to operate on equal footing with me. Um, and uh, sees Neymar play with a little bit more, a little bit less hubris, I should say. Um, I think their understanding is is really phenomenal. Uh, they are both making runs off the ball for each other, uh, being willing to square the ball, uh, and both playing with a lot, uh, with a far smaller degree of, of selfishness than we want to see from than we we had seen from them in the past. I think, you know, when PSG looked uh, a little bit rocky at times last season, it was because uh, Mbappe and Neymar didn't really seem to be in the wavelength, the right wavelength. Both of them were playing with a, a level of selfishness and single-mindedness that really undermined um, PSG's attacking play. Uh, I think that allowed them, allowed PSG to be kept in matches, uh, you know, a draw here, here, a, a less impressive win there. Uh, whereas I think this season, and again, this is the textbook example, that even though there may be some problems in midfield for PSG, there may be some problems at left back, I think that they're, attacking potential is just that much greater uh, in, in terms of both of them having a freedom of, of a role and of a newfound respect for each other. So, you know, credit, credit to Neymar, credit to Mbappe for both, I don't know if maturing is necessarily the right world word, but uh, being cognizant of the fact that an evolution there was needed uh, and that that's had a positive effect. So even in a match where they appeared to have been back on their heels, they could have, you know, really been put in, in a difficult situation by that, uh, you know, the two of them put their heads down and continued to continue to, to work hard, making, making runs. And the rest of the teammates recognize that, oh, frighteningly enough, you don't need much more than that. I mean, you know, we're not having some decent runs. There's Mounier, but it was really the two of them uh, and their chemistry that allowed PSG to be so dominant in a match that, Really, uh, taking a look at the performance, they really had no business uh, winning by that scoreline. But that's kind of what sometimes 100 million, 200 million worth of talent gets you with in those attacking areas. That's why they're worth so much money because they can win these big games like that. And, and following off the, the Champions League victory in midweek as well against uh, against Red Star, they'll be delighted to to really start notching up things at least. But the worry for Leon coming out of this one, Jez, isn't necessarily just the result really but um, the early action you mentioned earlier of, of Navio Fakir having to go off injured it's always a little bit of a worry and we have a twinge when he does go down and it has to come off because we've seen before it, it can sometimes be a knock that that takes two three months for him to get over is that a worry heading forward if, if, if it is something that is maybe going to keep him out for a couple of games that um that fakir is so influential in this in this leon side that um it could cause them to, to stumble again not just in the league but potentially for for european games coming up should it be a, a long-standing injury uh, it's a concern. I mean, he's, you know, he's clearly their best player, makes them tick, but I don't think he's had the most stellar start to the season. Um, you know, arguably him, him starting to, to get full match fitness coincides with Leon having their best run, and it's probably not an entire coincidence. But I think, you know, the team have got used to playing without him, and I think do have enough attacking talent to, to be able to cope without him uh, hopefully for just a, a handful of matches. But I think they should be able to do better without him than they did at the start of the season. Um, it, it does feel that he's you know, he really has become sort of talismanic and it's, it's not just what he does on the pitch, but um, you know, just it seems that he's some kind of reassuring presence when he's on the pitch. Um, but if, if Leon's form drops off again just because he's not there, then I think there's, there's wider problems. 
Eric, in terms of at least the, the league form so far this season for, for Leon, is it starting to worry you with there was obviously the uh, the victory against Marseille? Uh, feels like a, almost like an age ago now, but at the same time since then, um, they picked up the win against Dijon, but they obviously had that draw against Nantes last week, and then they've lost this one against Leon. It leaves them on 14 points and, and currently in sixth with a couple of teams around them picking up points as well. Uh, are you a little bit worried that their champion, it, that this may knock their run for the Champions League places this season with someone like Lille rising as well? Or, or do you feel still still have that confidence that they can pick up and, and win those games <sighs> around them? And this be kind of an anomaly, really. Yeah, I think that's a not an easy question to have to face up to mm. as, a, as a Leon fan or even as someone who who wants to see a team, you know, Reap the rewards of a youth-oriented philosophy. I think that there were a lot of good signs uh, from Leon from Leon today. I think that, but I think that a lot of this, without Nabil Fekir, the team really lacked a focal point. And Tonki and Dombele had a great match, making a lot of runs and making a lot of really smart passes, uh, playing, you know, really at a, at a really high level. Maybe not his very best, but certainly uh, he looks to be uh, back on the boil. Uh, you know that team that uh, that uh, being named to Le Bleu, I think has been a, a boost for him. But I think without Fekir, that this team needs an identity. It needs a cohesiveness. And that's that to me is a real question. Uh, given Fekir's injury history, you know, and and the fact that he was slow to come back uh, from the World Cup this season, I, I think that Genesio should be more co- coherent of of what this team needs. Uh, you had Memphis Depay leading the line. He's never a striker. Uh, he was extremely selfish tonight. I, I know he did strike the bar by trying to chip Buffon. And he had Buffon make a tip save from a free kick too. But, um, you know, Depay, I, I don't think, looks to involve his teammates. I mean, Bertrand Traore is a capable goal scorer. Maybe Maxwell Cornet a little bit less so. Obviously, Martin Terrier being injured was a, was a little bit of a loss, t- loss today because he's certainly the kind of player that I think, you know, would have allowed – uh, Leon to have a little bit more balance, at least in a similar tactical sense. But I think that that Leon need to sort of double down and 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 realize that you know, especially against a team like PSG or even against a well-organized side like Nantes last weekend, that relying on individual talent is simply not enough uh, in terms of fine margins. Because as we're seeing, you know, there's more and more investment in Liga. And there's more and more talent coming into this league. So the, Leon are going to be matched in a lot of ways in terms of having the spectacular thrown back at them. And we can witness Boschilia's goal uh, last weekend as, as being, you know, well-deserved equalizer for not. It's not as if teams aren't, it's not as if teams are not spending any money or spending a couple million. Uh, not, I believe, had a net spend somewhere in the 15 to 20 million euro. Um, sorry, not a net spend, but an overall spend of 15 to 20 million euro this summer. Uh, bringing a lot of interesting attacking players, and I think that we've seen that throughout the league. That you know, a free kick from Depay or a run from Traore is not going to be enough week in and week out. And the, those attacking players need to take a lesson from what PSG did. As strange as this sounds, given the individual talents of Neymar and Mbappe, but to seek to involve one another uh, on a much greater level, we see that from Ndombélé, we see that from Fakir, but it's simply not enough to have one or two players doing it. And especially when Fakir, as the captain, as that attacking midfielder, isn't on the pitch, um, it seems to just really be uh, – man, just really seem at a loss as to how to approach things in an attacking manner. There's there's a level of selfishness and a level of um, nearsightedness, if you will, that really stymies their attack. So while that goal was tantalizing the close for them on the evening, the fact they didn't get it, I think, is by and large down to a narrow-mindedness on a lot of – a lot of those attackers who, you know, maybe they're eyeing a move elsewhere. Um, you know, I think in Depay's case, that's probably certainly true. Um, maybe they are like Traore, you know, having had a poor match in midweek, trying to reestablish themselves as being an important part of the team. Whatever the reason is, Leon need to need to take a long, hard look at themselves collectively and realize what's holding them back. And it is it is that lack of attacking cohesiveness. It is a lack of selflessness um, that's making things so different for difficult for them. Uh, at at present, I, mean, I think in that Dijon match they weren't amazing, but the level of unselfish play they had and using um, 
Moussa Dembele as a target man, as a focal point, uh, allow them to make that result that much more comfortable. And I think in the time since, they've really struggled um, because of that uh, single-mindedness uh, and a lack, of, a lack of ability to play as a team going forward. That's going to be the interesting thing, especially going forward. They need to something we've mentioned a few times already with Leon. It's it's a bit frustrating that it's creeping back in that the selfishness of of some of those attacking players really does um, hinder what can be a really talented group when they do play the cohesive kind of football that they are able to at least. Anyway, let's track back a little bit at least anyway because obviously we had an issue with our Thursday program so we are looking back at sort of the European results a little bit in in brief shall we say and we'll start with the the Champions League I don't think we really need to jump Paris Saint-Germain thumping plenty plus red star so let's go on the more concerning one at least for one of the sides Jez and that's Monaco's defeat to Dortmund they held out for a reasonable amount of time but it ended up 3-1 to the uh, German side which uh, more than anything, really, probably puts to bed Monaco's hopes already of qualifying from the group. But there's still a hope of a Europa League spot with a double header against Club Bruges to come. But again, another disappointing result that was compounded by a disappointing result today as well. But uh, they, they were simply outclassed in that one, wasn't they? Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's too surprising. Dortmund uh, in not having everything their own way, but certainly in, in sort of pre-scoring form and certainly a, in a much more positive frame of mind by now than Monaco are. So, you know, away, away to Dortmund, which is never an easy place to go anyway. Um, you know, it's not the same team that they've done a couple of years back. Certainly not the same circumstances, obviously, Dortmund having that attack on the bus. Um, so I think Dortmund are always going to start favourites and, it was, you know, Monaco did very well to hold out as long as they did. And once Dortmund got the first, you expected them to, to score a couple more. But I think they were always, you looked at the, the, the draw, their groups, the draw for their group. And then Madrid, Atletico and probably Dortmund were always going to be the favourites. It would have taken something special for Monaco to, to, to upset them, I think. So really... Realistically, I think you know, even before the matches are played, you just said that it would probably be up, be down to the Monaco Bruges matches to see who gets to the Europa League. Um, and you know, I hope that Monaco gets something out of them just to, to extend their, well, assuming they want to, to, ex, to extend the, their European run, but also just to, to get a bit of good feeling back. As, as you said, you know, another defeat today. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, Jardim can't buy a break. You know, two of the more experienced players probably responsible for today with a um, stupid red card for Raji and then um, a mistake from Subasic. But, um, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't watch the whole match, but by all, all accounts, Monaco still weren't really playing with any fluency. And they just, they, they need to get their act together. I think that um, uh, Jardim has used as at two matches ago, so it may well be more now. I think he's already used something like 28 players. And he really needs to work out now what his starting level or starting 16 are and, and stick with that. Um, you know, I've used as the excuse the fact that they've brought in players who I just think are much too young this time around. But you look at the starting lineup today, it actually wasn't it was so bad at all. There was a reasonable amount of experience in there. Uh, if those same 11 players are going to get a chance to, to play week in, week out, then I expect that at some point they will start developing understandings and, and improving. But um, they need to be given that chance. And that's probably the frustrating thing for Jardim at the moment is it keeps being the experienced players that are, are making some of the mistakes that's not helping all the youngsters try and settle into what has been a pretty tough time of it, at least anyway. Uh, the f- final sort of Champions League game would be Leon's draw with Shakhtar, Eric. It was we explained before it would be very important for them to get, grab a win from this one, but they were, while a bit disappointing at least, and went down two 0 It was at least a positive that they come out of this game with something in hand, at least, especially with Manchester City winning as well against Hoffenheim in the last moment. But uh, while it would be disappointing they didn't win, a point in the end. Doesn't feel so bad after how the after how the game eventually went going. 
Yeah, I mean, they still control their own destiny. I, th I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be not easy to qualify. I think that a lot's going to depend on on how they can do against Hoffenheim, who haven't exactly impressed in this competition, but did give City a pretty torrid time uh, earlier uh, earlier this week, and I think have shown that they're, they're they on their day, or, you know, like Leon on their day. They're a, a top-door European European team. It's just a matter of what Leon comes out. I mean, how much of this can we write off as a matter of match being played behind closed doors? Uh, how much of this can we, you know, write off as in terms of fatigue? Uh, it, it's a frustrating thing to look at uh, and and to see, you know, Leon be be pegged back. But at the same time, the, the determination and the willpower that they showed to come back and earn that point, uh, I think, speaks a lot about this team and and a lot about what there is there, what there is there if they're on the same page as they weren't tonight. Um, this Jekyll and Hyde nature, I mean, is, is, is what's been so frustrating that, that Leon on their day, I mean, well, what do you say about a, a win at the Etihad? Uh, but Leon not on their day can be you know, frankly embarrassing. And I think that it's, it's too difficult to read too much into this match. I, I think that, a point feels all right. They still top the group. They still control their own destiny. Um, so, you know, getting another six points, five points out of the four matches they have left, I think should be enough to see them through. But uh, there's certainly no guarantees uh, in this group. Uh, I think a lot's going to depend on how uh, City respond to, to playing against Shakhtar and, and, and uh, clearly Leon against Hoffenheim, who you know, are the fourth seed in this group, but I think, you know, clearly can't be taken lightly like, given what we saw from them in midweek. Absolutely. With a, with give a city a good stern test onto Europa League matters now. And it was a little bit more disappointing, if you can say, um, in that competition on Thursday, because there was a couple of, well, several results that didn't really go uh, Ligue 1's way, at least. And just starting with Bordeaux, who will be, severely disappointed in the end. I mean, I mean Copenhagen were down to, to 10 men and, and everything and they were playing at home and they've been in decent form in the league for a change. But a 2-1 defeat with the double... But sitting sort of already bottom of the group with the double header of getting Senate to come as well, which you would think is the, the toughest test, especially having to head to Russia as well. Is it time for them to maybe write off the Europa League for this season? Uh, I think it probably is. You know, they've had a sticky start in the league. They've had lots of disruption off the pitch, and um, you know, as, as they showed this afternoon against Nantes, they have lost some talented players, and they could put a good run together. So maybe having not had the best of starts in the competition, maybe yeah, maybe the best thing for them is to write it off and just to concentrate on the league, where I think they could still you know achieve something, um, but you know, just not good enough not good enough for many of them. It was really embarrassing Thursday night. Um, as much as anything, the fact that all three teams um, conceded injury time goals and, you know, they're playing professionals as well, but Liga is supposed to be one of the, one of the top, top leagues in, in world football and European football. And you wouldn't, you shouldn't be expecting all three teams to be as, you know, whether it's naivety or lack of fitness or whatever it is, you expect better than that. Just, yeah, not good enough. And on to another team that's probably feeling not good enough, despite it being a long trip to Astana, obviously, Eric Ferren to go to. Uh, two another feet after the, the winning at Shablonek as well, with a double head against Dinamo Kiev, although they obviously drew with Jablonek in their game as well. So it's not necessarily all doom and gloom for them, but you don't want to go into your trickiest ties after a defeat and needing results you would rather be with two wins and a bit of confidence but uh, a disappointing result for them as well even though it is a is a long trip to uh, to Kazakhstan yeah I think you know credit to Ren for rebounding at the weekend I know I know beating Monaco is no nothing impressive these days believe it or not uh, but I did I do want to flag up that I I do sort of worry about depth for Ren uh, Ludovic Ball attempted to make a comeback in this match and was forced off, uh, which still leaves uh, Ren Benzabaini as really Ren's on, only left back. Um, central defense is looking a little bit thin, too. I know Jeremy Jelan was suspended for a pair of matches, pardon me, recently in the league here. 
Um, Iran's defense hasn't been awful, but um, you know we we spoke last week. I know I think Rich mentioned this, the stat that Ren had dropped thirteen points, fourteen points from winning positions uh, in the league this year, and that is why they sit where they are. I don't think things are going to get any easier uh, for Ren in the weeks to come. You look at Saint Etienne uh, after the break. You've got Rennes, um, and then you know both those teams are negative. They're tough defensively. Um, there's not really a respite for for Ren to come anytime in in the near future. Uh, so. I think that they need to pick and choose their battles. I think that given the investment over the summer, I think that more is expected of this side domestically. And I might I might think we might see uh, Ren's Europa League campaign maybe come to be less of a priority given the difficulties that they have in terms of squad depth. You know, I know there are some players, you look at maybe Rafik Guitan, uh, Romain Del Castillo, that haven't been used all that often, but I still think that the depth is going to be a bit of a concern for Ren, particularly uh, in in central midfield and, and in defense, as we saw, uh, for example, Mehdi Zafan make an appearance today. Um, you know, not exactly pull up any trees, but it's uh, it's it seems to me that Sabri Lamushi is is not really uh, willing to give a lot of these younger players, or or even someone like Roman Danze, who is apparently fit, uh, and I know he's a little bit older, but I don't. It doesn't seem like uh, a lot of these fringe players so to speak, have the trust of uh, Sabri Lamushi. And I, I do worry about what the ramifications of that could be going forward, especially in terms of, uh, you know, once both the cup competitions start, that midweek fixtures will, will continue to become a lot more frequent. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that um, they can maybe still have pull things around. It's not the most disastrous result, given the, the score elsewhere, but uh, they'll hope that they can bounce back in the in the games against Kiev. Uh, final one is obviously Marseille. Jez, uh, they'll be bitterly disappointed, really, on their one. I mean, they were relatively in control, it felt like, in the Apollon Limassol game, but um, they ended up drawing 2 2. It maybe helps that Lazio also were defeated by Eintracht Frankfurt, so it gives them some um, chasing room, at least, anyway, when they face the Italians twice. But we all know how, how talented of, of a team Lazio can be with with the likes of uh, Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto and, and Ciro Immobile, obviously. They've got a lot of talent in that squad, and it's not the ideal scenario for Marseille to head into, especially with them already sort of a little bit behind in the league, even though they are now in, in third place. <laughs> It becomes a tough balancing act now for them, doesn't it? That they, they maybe do they put their strongest side out against Lazio? Do they maybe concentrate on the league now that it a couple of bad Europa League results? It's a it's a weird juggling act now, isn't it for them? Yeah, I think that you know, <clears throat> excuse me, with all the all the talk of how they want to be this big club again, I think you know last year was probably a bonus and. They wouldn't have expected to go all the way to, to the final of the, of the European competition. But this year, off the back of that, and of one more year's improvement, one more supposedly, and one more year's kind of settling into the, the new project and new management, you know, on, on and off the pitch. I think a team that's aspiring to, to be a big name in European football again needs to have a decent run in Europe. So. I think that their, their situation is a little bit different to, to Ren and Bordeaux, and I do think that they should be uh, looking to have another decent European run. Um, but for the reasons that we've discussed in the past, it's not the strongest, deepest squad. So <coughs> that being the case, um, I think, again, like last year, I think some players will possibly end up being overworked or run into the ground. and. You know, you can sort of just look at Luis Gustavo's last couple of matches. It's sort of, or, you know, even more than that. It kind of, I think, sums up a lot the limitations of Marseille. Gustavo, for me, um, I know not many people agree, but for me, he was he was last year's league player of the year. I think this year, when he gets to play in this position, I still think he's a class above most others. Um, but because of of the lack of choice in certain positions, too often he ends up playing in as a centre man, which takes away, which weakens your defence, I think, and takes away your best midfielder. Against Minnesota, he played as a centre as a midfielder. <coughs> it's no coincidence that 
for the most part, I think Marseille were playing okay. Um, and he, he scored the second, a very good goal. I think just after Limassol pulled one back, for some reason, he, he asked to be taken off, which was a bit bizarre. Um, even more so because he played today, you'd have thought maybe he was carrying an injury and they'd have rested him today as well. Um, and as soon as he went off, the, the team sort of went a little bit to part and, and Limassol scored the equaliser. Um, so I think it's just a case of all the same problems for Marseille. Um, you know, having a, a you know really decent sort of um, starting eleven or starting squad, but not much beyond that, and that is you'd expect that that's going to pose problems somewhere along the line. It might not clearly come out until later in the season, but there are possible issues to come. Mm. Yeah, let's. Uh... Hope it's not too much of a bumpy road for them, at least anyway. But yeah, the, it all comes down to that game next, I think, against Lazio, where whether they decide to stick or twist will sort of be a defining moment of their season, at least. Whether they maybe maybe try to go for a domestic trophy, maybe something like that instead. We'll wait and see what plan they sort of have for the for the rest of their season. Uh, on to matters that will effect next weekend at least anyway because we have another France squad as we head into some more UEFA Nations League games and also friendlies as well we've got friendly against Iceland and then they the return leg of the Germany game um, this upcoming international break and a couple of new names in the mix as well and there may be even more with Nabil Fakir likely to, to pull out as well but we'll focus on the names that have been introduced so far at least and let's start with the defend well I'll, I'll start with the man you know the most at least Eric that might be the better option really and that's Tongi Undumbele getting his first call up to the French squad a, a massive positive for him well deserved as well um, it gives another dimension to the midfield with Tolisso obviously being out for an extended period of time with that uh, knee injury um, he feels like a, a good and comfortable replacement for his role in the squad yeah I think so I, I think that yeah, as we look long term and how this team's going to evolve, I think that Blaise Matuidi, you know, again was was fantastic this summer. I, I think that he was, you know, he he and Pogba, the discipline and the work rate that they both showed in midfield were really integral to the World Cup. As much as perhaps the likes of Griezmann or Mbappe took the headlines for France, it was that work and determination in in midfield. And we saw tonight, you know, exactly what Tanki and Dombele can do. I mean, I. His ability to keep the ball, to get past defenders, his his close touch, his physicality, uh, really makes him you know an amazing conduit in terms of starting counterattacks. And we know how important that can be for France. And I, I but I think also conversely, he also has the discipline and 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 the ability to bear down and to assume a more defensive role if need be. I mean, we saw him playing after Tussar came off as as the deepest lying of of Leon's. Uh, midfielders, and I, I think that, you know, again, in a 10-man situation, he was perhaps being overtaxed in that role, but I, I think certainly last year we saw him playing as part of a two with Usain Awar and, and playing that defensive role with a lot more discipline and composure uh, than perhaps an open match like this evening uh, would have necessarily offered. So, yeah, again, I, I think this is a fully deserved call-up. I think that, you know, his ability to, to play balls between the lines, through balls, is is really, really impressive. I think uh, it's it's fantastic to see him get that recognition, especially at such a young age. You know, again, I don't think until Matui's retirement are we really going to see a consistent place be available for him, uh, you know, vis-a-vis Felice's uh, injury. But, uh, again, well-deserved, a, a good recognition of his early season form and really, you know, his entire his entire career. I think that even, even at Amiens, he was a very impressive player as well. Great to see him in the squad. And another position that needed to be filled, at least um, possibly temporarily for some places, but we'll, we'll wait and see. There's two defenders that have been reintroduced into the squad, Jez, and that's uh, Kurt Zuma, who's had a decent start to the season with Everton, and also Mamadou Sako um, coming back into the fold with Adil Rami um, 
dropping out after he's sort of seemingly half retired, at least only way from French international football. But what do you think to the two moves there? I mean, the, the Zuma one makes sense because he's obviously a young centre-back that's playing regular football. But at the same time, it, is, is, is it a strange feeling to see Sacco back in the squad as well? Yeah, I, I mean, Zuma, I've got no real issues with. Um, Luca Dini as well, by the way, he's also come back. They, they both started the season very well for Everton, so not too many issues there. The Sarko, I feel, slightly different. And I think everything is sort of read in a Lathos context, and that's the thing. I wouldn't know if, it, if you didn't have La, the, the sort of shadow of Laporte over everything, then maybe I wouldn't have so many issues with Sacco. And, you know, that Deschamps sort of made a very good case for Sacco in the, in the, um, in the press conference when he announced the squad. He said you know, he was very unlucky to miss out in 2016. He was, you know, there was the issue of, of a missed drugs test or I can't remember exactly what it was. Whatever it was, he was cleared of it actually before the tournament started, but after the deadline for the squad announcement. Um, everyone knows that one of Deschamps' favourite players before that. He was the, you know, the hero of the, the Ukraine comeback as well. Um, he, he is a leader um, and he is left-footed. So, um, and he was, a, I think, if memory says, I think he was a, he was a reserve at, um, for, for the World Cup squad as well. So it's not a massive shock on the various reasons that he's in the squad. Um, I'm not sure that he's had such a great season so far. Um, I my only issue is that I do think that Laporte more than deserves a call. I think he's been patient. He's, I kind of say he's been loyal, um, and he must be wondering what he has to do to, to earn that call. Um, it was interesting that um, Willie Samuel's comments over the weekend, he was the under 21 coach at the time that Laporte was in the team, and he said that he felt that. Laporte was never particularly invested in the, in the France shirt and was always waiting between France and Spain. But, you know, at the same time, I think, again, if memory serves, I think Sanyo still made him his captain. So he must have thought he was okay. And Laporte has since committed to France and said, it's, you know, it's always going to be France. So while I've got no issues with Sacco and Deschamps did kind of make it sound like it was sort of a, a reward or a consolation for, for all those, for those for the last couple of tournaments that he's missed. Although he said it wasn't for that, it did make it sound like maybe it was. So, you know, possibly like Ramley, it might be sort of one more kind of bling and, and then drop out of the squad. But yeah, normally I'd have no issues, but I would rather have seen that pop in there. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting backward step even when you think that Clement Longley's and the outside looking in as well it's uh, very strange to sort of go back to Sacco unless he's looking for maybe that experience but the la- last question well, that, the- sorry yeah, that, that was one other thing that Deschamps said he did say you know it is still it's a very young defense that he's picked which for the most part is true so um he wanted a bit more experience but you know that most of them are still very experienced players you've got Varane there you've got I don't know, Sativa, if he starts, I still don't wait particularly, but he has got a lot of experience now. I don't know if that's a strong argument. You've got three, four, one cup winners in there, so. Yeah, that's the interesting one, isn't it? You ask for experience, and most of those players have won a World Cup now, really. And like you say, Varane's won several Champions Leagues in recent memory. They've got a very experienced player in the uh, behind them in Hugo Lloris as well, who's seen it, done it a lot, a lot of stuff as well as uh, other players in the squad, at least. But uh, I can understand maybe he wants that little bit of experience. But the the final sort of question on the squad, at least, it, it does protrude to to what's happened tonight, at least. Eric, in the fact that Nabil Fakir, unless there is a, a sort of thing from Claire Fontaine in the next couple of days, because obviously we need to check in with them before he actually pulls out of the squad. But um, if he is to leave, there's a there's a spot open, obviously, there. There's a, there's a couple of players vying for it, you would at least think. Uh, Anthony Marshall might be in that um, conversation. So maybe a, a Dimitri Payet, another name copying up uh, for his performances for Arsenal recently, might be Alexandre Lacazette as, a, as an option around uh, Griezmann as well. Um, what do you think? Who do you think will be coming in should Fakir drop out of this one? Well, I think if we look at what Fakir's role is in that France squad as being a, not necessarily a striker, but a sort of a Swiss Army knife type of player, I think 
either Marshall or Lacazette make the most sense. Uh, I'm not trying to knock Dimitri Payet. I think he's had you know, somewhat under the radar a really fine start to the season uh, for Marseille. I, I think that you know Tovan obviously has gotten the plots. He's continued his good scoring form. I think he's up to seven in the league now, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I do think that that you know Lacazette and Marshall, given their versatility, um, are are something that's valued. I mean we. We know that Fakir and a pinch can play all across that front line, even as a striker, if, if needs must. And I think that that he or Marshall, perhaps, like is that rather, or Marshall make the most sense. Um, but I did want to, you know, give a tip of the hat to Dimitri Payet's start to the season. I think, which I think, you know, in another place in time, you know, even looking back at last summer, you know, I think barring injury, he probably would have been a part of that uh, France squad for the World Cup. Jess, what do you think? Who, who do you would you prefer to see uh, jump into the squad should Fakir drop out? Uh, I'd like to see Lacazette. I think um, Martial certainly had a great game yesterday, um, despite what Steve McManaman was saying. I don't know what match he was watching. I thought Martial was really good and you know, put away very good goal. <coughs> but he, I'm not sure that he's done it sort of consistently enough yet. Again, not necessarily his fault, more his manager's fault, but. Um, not not sure he's earned the place in the squad yet, but I think Lacazette has started the season really well. He's sort of forced his way, for whatever reason, Emery wasn't starting with him, but he's forced his way into the first team through his performances. Another really good showing today. Um, I think the fact is it's, it probably is for a substitute role or for the sort of less important match, um, presumably the, the, the Iceland match rather than the German one. Um, but um, but I think it was against Germany that Lacazette had his only probably really decent match in France. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really love like, to see Lacazette back in there. I think he really deserves it on his performances. I think it would just be a good, mm, a good yeah. sort of message to him. Keep it up and you're, you're definitely still in my thoughts. Yeah, I think the, the the start that Lacazette's had to the season, maybe he's the, the front runner in it. I think maybe, uh, although there's calls for Dimitri Payet, they might be sort of still looking back in the past rather than maybe moving forward with a player that might see more frequent time should they should they continue to play well and the same with maybe Marshall's not played enough this start of the season at least anyway even though he has had some bright spots and he had some really lovely look play with the with the Pogba yesterday as well but uh, yeah it feels like Lacazette is the better Swiss Army knife because then he can be someone like Fekir who can step into the Griezmann role so there be any issues there at least anyway much more comfortably than, than maybe the other two that are available to them but it should be a couple of interesting games especially that one against Germany it'll be a key game in this Nations League at least anyway let's finish off tonight with one of my favourite section at least anyway and that's the Liga snapshots and I'll start with yourself Eric what was the news from this weekend on Liga that we should know about you know I, I think we well I don't know is this the cop out to say killing about they no uh, I, I did want to flag up Lille's performance. Uh, you know, I know we spent quite a bit of time praising them last week. You know, a potentially tricky match against Saint-Etienne, who I think have been uh, a lot more cohesive uh, and impressive this season going forward. Uh, they were unfairly pegged back by a penalty for Levera at one all, But uh, I think, re- and, you know, we're perhaps frustrated to see Jose Fonch go off. Uh, but, you know, rebounded really nicely, got a nice performance from the youngster Dabila and uh, Nicola Pepe, was on the score sheet again. Jonathan Bamba with another brace. I believe that's eight league goals for him. Uh, already bettering his uh, previous season high and just nine matches into the season. So, again, that bip-bip, the, the front line there of uh, Bamba, Kone, and, and Pepe are really clicking again. I, I can't say enough about this, this Lille side. I mean, certainly there are more tests to come, but, you know, I'll, st- I'll stick by it. I, I, th- I think that this team have the attacking talent uh, and the tactical now to continue to push to push for that top three spot. I mean, let's face it, you know, Monaco were 13 points behind Lille. I'm not saying it's impossible if they can fight their way back into this, but I think even Marseille and Lyon, those sides that we expected to be up there challenging as well, are still a little bit off the boil. And I think there is genuinely a Champions League spot up for grabs this season. And right now, Lille looked the best equipped to do that, uh, particularly with the form of Pepe. Mm, absolutely. And, terrific start to the season for them and Bamba going back to his old club I'm sure will be very pleased to grab those few goals Jez what's your league and snapshot uh, for me it's um, Saman Godos winner for, for Amiens 
There's a separate thing we were talking um, before recording about the, the really worrying form of Dijon, who I think haven't scored now in, in four matches and they've scored only one in their last five or six. Um, their form's really dropped up. But, but Amiens, again, are quietly um, you know, having an effective season and, and Godos' goal really is worth looking out for. Distance, a ridiculous amount of swerve on it, really fantastic finish. And um, as a Brighton fan, you sort of notice massive interest um, from a very big sort of um, Iranian football loving community um, since we signed um, Ali J. I'm not going to try to pronounce the surname, but um, I think um, you know similar thing for Amiad that um, really you know if Godos can can maintain excellent form, I think um, you know Liga is going to have a you know a whole new fan base and 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 uh, a new style as well. And you know, a very good replacement for for Kakuta as as the uh, as the Anya hero. Absolutely, and was a was a star as well for Ostens uh, last season. Obviously, for for Graham Potter's side, a great little player, and for, for future reference, at least for you, Jez, it's Ali Reza Yahan Bakash. Uh, thank you, Eredivisie Review, for reminding me how to pronounce that name uh, several different times, at least. Uh, my my um, one for this weekend for my league snapshot will be uh, Nantes, who continued their their poor run of form recently, and they obviously let go of Cardozo last weekend and, and brought a new man into the helm and it's not really changed things instantly at least as much as uh, Waldemir Keita may have hoped at least a 3-0 defeat to, to Bordeaux and down two goals within the first seven minutes tells you maybe all you need to know about this one I do really fear for none this season despite having that change in manner the uprest um, up and uh, there was a great stat as well on Opta earlier this uh, earlier tonight where the last time that Nont got six points in the first several well, first eight games was um, back in um, 2008-9 when they were relegated. So um, it is worrying form for Le Canary and it's only really the, 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 the sides above them, maybe not quite picking up the points that they're still in a comfortable position at least, but um, there's going to be um, some worrying fans in the next couple of weeks if they don't start picking things up again, because uh, you do start to worry that uh, maybe Le Canary might be one of the teams in that relegation fight this season uh, that's all for this week my thanks to eric jez and all of you listening at home uh, there will be no preview show this thursday because this is an international week so we will we'll join us again same time same place next week abianto and goodbye